but there was a fellow, he went to his doctor, and the doctor said, hey, listen, you are in terrible shape, buddy, and uh, you got to do something about it. First of all, you need to tell your wife to cook more nutritious meals, and you need to stop working like a dog. Also, you need to tell your wife you're going to make a budget, and she's just going to have to stick to it. Have her keep the kids off your back so you can relax. Unless there's some changes like that in your life, you're probably going to be dead in a month. He says, Doc, this would sound a lot more official coming from you. Could, could, you, could you just please call my wife and kind of give her those instructions? When the fellow got home, his wife rushed to him and said, I talked to your doctor. <laughs> Poor fellow, you're good. you only got 30 days to live. pretty bad, isn't it? Wow. That's rough. There's a few of you, listen, that would be true in your life. You know it too, don't you? Right now you got tears in your eyes too. <laughs> this is a true story, okay? This is honestly the truth. This happened. At least that's what it says beside it. True story. So I've got to believe it, right? Got off the internet, right? No, I don't. Know. <laughs> My mom was out walking with her four-year-old daughter and when the little girl picked something up from the ground, started putting it in her mouth, and I mean immediately, I mean just like a woman, you know, snatched it right out of her daughter's hand, you know, and, and uh, didn't even hesitate a lick, you know, he said, don't do that. And the little girl said, well, 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 why? Well, because it's been lying outside, you don't know where it's been, it's dirty, it probably has germs all over it. About that time, the daughter kind of looked at her mommy and was just, like filled with admiration. You could just see it in her eyes. And she said, wow, how do you know all this stuff? And she thought real quick and she said, well, all moms know this stuff. It's on the mommy test. You have to know it or they don't let you be a mommy. The two of them were walking in silence for about two or three more minutes and Little girl, she could tell that little four-year-old was just kind of the wheels were turning. She was thinking and pondering that whole thing. And all of a sudden, she cried out and said, Oh, I get it. So if you don't pass the test, you have to be the daddy. And her mom simply smiled and said, Exactly. You, you know it's true, fellas. It's true, at least in my home. I don't know. I didn't know anything about that stuff. You know, I, we had five-second rules in our house. It hit the ground. As long as you pick it up, you're good. Eat it. Yeah, that's right. Hey, you know what? It'll work. It works. Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 21. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. There we read, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have done, have in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. This passage is disturbing, to say the least, is it not? At least it is to me. I, 
read this passage and I think to myself, wow, I mean, here are some people here and they're speaking to the Lord and they're saying to Him, Lord, have we not prophesied in the name and in Thy name cast out devils and in Thy name done many wonderful works? And He turns around and responds to them by saying, I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I mean, they're pleading with the Lord. They're stating their case and they point out in a question form, that they had done so many wonderful things on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ. They closed by saying, And in thy name, we've done many wonderful works. The Lord responds again by saying, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I mean, what in the world is going on here? This seems almost impossible to imagine to me. I mean, how could it possibly be that these stand before the Lord after doing all of those things to hear Him say, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Well, I want to answer that question by saying this. These had some things backwards. They had some things backwards. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. We need you today. Help us to kind of get an idea or an understanding of what in the world's going on here in this passage. Lord, I know in my own life, Lord, there were some times when I, this passage somewhat haunted me, scared me, bothered me, concerned me. Lord, thank you, Father, for the simple understanding that comes with it that alleviates the concern. Help us, Lord, to learn now how this could be possible. Lord, we'll thank you as you give us insight. Lord, if there be any that are lost without Jesus Christ, may they come to a saving knowledge of him before it's too late. And Lord, for the believer, may our hearts be sured and just more steadfast and unmovable. And may we have a greater confidence in thee and thy salvation. Bless us now this morning, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Years ago, I was just a young fellow. I was 10 years of age and I played on a baseball team. And um, obviously, to look at me, you can tell that I was a tremendous athlete. Amen. And uh, the problem was, however, is I, I couldn't hit that good. I, I could field a ball pretty well, and I did a pretty good job in that area, but I could not hit the ball. As I started getting older, it got worse, and I don't know, it might have been my eyesight, I don't know, maybe it was just some part of my brain wasn't working right, I have no idea. But what I do know is that even at 10 years of age, I still remember that I was one of those guys that kind of like either I really would get a hold of the ball or I'd strike out. And it was a tight game, and, uh, you know, the kids, uh, obviously, we always want to win a baseball game. And I remember it was tight and that we needed to score, and it was my turn to go up. And, of course, uh, when they, the coach said, okay, O'Donnell, you're up, I could just almost hear like, Ugh. And I was like, come on. I was like, man, i got to do something. You know, i got to get this monkey off my back. So I got up to the plate, you know, and I took the bat, you know, and I kind of tapped my feet off and hit the base a few times. And, I mean, I kind of loosened up some, you know, and I was ready to go. And I kind of faced the pitcher, got up to the plate, and I kind of got there, got that out there swinging around a little bit. So when I come this way, it was going to swing too. Man, I mean, I stepped up to the plate and the pitcher wound up. And when it came through, I, whoom, I swung. Strike one. I was like, 
come on, man, you've got to do this. I'm counting on you, man. And I could just hear him back there. Ugh. Here we go again. O'Donnell's going to strike out. I stepped up to the plate again. And I mean, it was coming across. I'll tell you what, I never watch pitches. Strike two. Man, again, you could just hear just the wind out of the... Okay, this is it, man. I've got to make this count. I lined her up, focused on the pitcher. I gave him a scowl. The ball came. Ball one. Sweat's pouring off my head like it is right now. And I remember getting in my stance again, and I could just feel the pressure. The kids are going, come on, come on, O'Donnell. Need a hit. Just meet the ball. I was lined up, pitch came in, and smack. I got a hold of that ball like nobody's business. Right over here at the airport fields. You know where the airport is? Right? I mean, I was in that one right there. As you come down, it's sitting right there. I hit that ball so hard. It flew over the outfielder's heads. It just kept rolling and rolling. I took off running. I mean, I hit. I was, I was booking, man. I was flying. I hit that, went around first base. I come around. Don't watch your foot there. I came around second, headed on to third. Man, it was looking good. I mean, the ball was way out there. I come by the home plate. I was like, woohoo! Yeah! Woohoo! The team was running out. They were catching me. Everything short of putting me on their shoulders. I was like, yeah! Woo! Home run, baby! Ball wasn't even in yet. I went and sat back down on the bench. Woo! Woo! Ball still coming in the end from the outfield. Literally rolled all the way the road. I mean, it was amazing. It was one of the best hits I ever had in my life. That's why I can still remember it. I'm sitting there. Next thing I know, I hear this scream. My coach is going crazy. O'Donnell! O'Donnell, go to first base! Go to first base! I'm like, what are you talking about? I just hit a home run. You miss first base? Go to first base! I'm like... They're grabbing me and pulling me now. And I'm like, oh, I get it. I'm running over to first base. And before I can get there, they're like... Out! I got tagged out at first. I found out later that not only had I missed first when I ran around the base, but I missed second base. I was so excited I missed third too, they said. And literally, when they said I went to tap home, I jumped right over top of it. I didn't hit one of those bases. That's what they told me. And I'm not kidding. They said I missed every single base. I was so excited flying around the bases. But I was out. I was out. Didn't matter how far I hit the ball. Didn't matter how fast I got around them. All that mattered was I was out. You know, these people in the passage here, we're looking at them and they're saying, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works. Well, I tell you what, they've got service down, don't they? They are serving the Lord Jesus, it appears. They're really giving it all to God. They're doing their very best to make an impact in their culture, in their community, their society. Over in the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 16, turn there if you would, please. Notice what the Bible tells us there. Matthew, chapter 5, just go back a couple chapters. 5, verse 16. 
We read, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I mean, these here said, listen, have we not done many wonderful works, Lord? Haven't we prophesied in thy name? Haven't we cast out devils in thy name? Lord, we've done all these things. We've served you. We've given our best to you. (coughs) Haven't we done that, Lord? They did. They did a number of works, a number of service. And to serve the Lord is a commendable thing. Everybody needs to be serving Jesus Christ. Everybody needs to be involved in the work. Everybody needs a position. Everybody needs to be actively involved in the local church. No doubt about that. We understand that. And that's important. And these here in the passage are saying, Did we not do all of these things, Lord? Did we not? Did we not fulfill that requirement? Didn't we serve? Did not we serve? And yes, they did serve. i got to believe that they were separated too i got to believe that those that were giving their life to service, serving the Lord, so to speak, I had to believe they, they were separated. Let's face it, before you serve God, you ought to be separated unto Him. I mean, it's ridiculous to think that we can continue to hold on to our old life, continue to live our, our, in the flesh, and continue to walk in the flesh, and walk by sight, and still serve the Lord Jesus Christ. No, there needs to be an element of separation. We need to come apart from among them and be separate. We need to allow ourselves to be uh, separated from the world and to the Lord Jesus Christ. Without a doubt, that's true. We understand that. That's important. Again, Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 makes it pretty clear that separation is important. That once we come to Christ, we become new creatures in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Chapter 6, verse 17. Whether, wherefore, he says, Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Man, the Lord wants us to be different. He wants us to be unique. He wants us to stand out and be peculiar. He doesn't want us to look, act, and live like we used to. And so, here these are serving. I've got to believe they're separated as well. You know, and if we take the Christian life and we put it on a ball diamond, we could honestly say that service would end us on third base. That would be something we need to do. Service would be a third base. Before third base comes second. So, we would say that separation precedes uh, uh, service. So, that would be second. These here had been to third base. They'd been serving God. They'd been giving their life. They'd been doing the things, the works. And now they find separated. I'm sure they were separated. I'm sure if you talked to them, you'd hear their, their speech was different. If you looked at them, they would look different. They acted different. They didn't go the place the world went to. They separated themselves unto God. They served the Lord in their minds. Here they are, third base, second base, fulfilling the responsibility of a believer. Every believer needs to be separated. Every believer needs to be serving God. So what's the problem? What in the world is going on here? We look at these people here. They've been to third base. They've been to second base. But if we was going to say what first base was, we'd have to call it salvation then. Because see, here in the passage, notice what he says in chapter 7 again, verse 21. Chapter 7, verse 21. He says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. You know what God's will is? 
He says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some men count slackness. But is long-suffering to us, word, not willing that any should perish. Not willing, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's will is that everyone repent and turn from their sin to Him. Everyone. Everyone. That's what God's will is. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. That's what God's will is. He wants us to turn from our sin and turn to Him. We're sinners, the Bible teaches us. But the fact is today is that you say these people were doing everything right. They, they were serving God. They were separated unto Him. I mean, what else is there? I mean, I mean, you've heard it, a scale. You've seen a scale on one side. You put a weight on it and then you something else and it, you know, up and down the scale, right or left, depending on what weighs the most. And we say to ourselves, well, if I just, my good outweighs the bad, then I make it to heaven. If my bad outweighs the good, well, I guess I'm out of luck. But that's not how God operates. That's not how He functions. Or these, I mean, the scale of good works was in their favor. They were certainly well ahead on the scale of good works, without a doubt. I mean, they'd been doing these wonderful works. They were separated, without a doubt. I'm sure they were. But how could He say, I never knew you? After doing all those things, obviously, like me, they miss first base. They miss salvation. Because, see, salvation's not about works. It's not about what we do. It's about what Christ has already done. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Look there, if you would, please. I mean, how can they stand before God? How can they say, we did all of these things. We did them in your name, Lord. We cast out devils in your name. Lord, we, we, we did all these wonderful works. We did it all for you. And then God says, I'm sorry, I never knew you. He doesn't even apologize, really. I just did that. He doesn't. I never knew you. Depart from me, the workers of iniquity. So how could that be? Obviously, they have something backwards then. Oh, they had third base service. They had second base separation. But they had missed first base then. Because Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's an interesting passage, isn't it? I don't know if we really understand that sometimes. You know, I don't know about you, but if I'm not careful and I meet people that seem to be very good, I want to just assume they're saved because they're so good. They're so kind. They're so generous. They're so loving. They're so giving. They're so aware of our needs and the needs of others. Therefore, obviously, they must be Christians doing all those wonderful things, especially if they use the name of God. Especially if they attend church somewhere. They must be saved. They must be on their way to heaven. They must have it settled. But wait a second. There's a group of people here that have been serving God. There's a group of people that have been separated. The only problem is they're missing out. The only problem is he says, depart from me. The only problem is I never knew you. How's that possible? They missed first base. They missed salvation. Because salvation isn't about our works. It's about what Christ does on our behalf. What he does for us. For by grace are you saved. Grace is unmerited favor. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. None of us deserve heaven. None of us deserve forgiveness. None of us deserve anything but hell. But thank God 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ came to earth. God in flesh. He was all man. He was all God. 
And I mean, I can't understand it. I can't explain it all. But what I do know is it took place the way the Bible says. And literally, the God of heaven became flesh, dwelt among us. He walked these dusty trails of Galilee, ultimately led him to an old cross, had the nails pierced in his hands and in his feet. He hung there on Calvary between heaven and earth, naked and, and, and suffering, bleeding and dying on our behalf. And look what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 18. First Peter chapter 1 verse 18, the Bible says, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things. Before we go any further, that word redeemed means to be purchased or bought back. 6,000 years ago, I don't care what you've been taught, what you've heard about the age of the earth. The fact is, is that God created man and he created all things. And 6,000 years ago, there was a man and a woman in a place called the Garden of Eden. There God had placed them in the midst of that garden and there they, they, they stood before God and he told Adam long before, he said, listen, the day that you eat of that fruit of that tree, the tree that's in the midst of the garden, thou shalt surely die. I want you to know that Eve was deceived, but Adam willfully took of that fruit. And when he did, the Bible says that he was sold into sin. Sold into sin. Where once he was innocent, untested. Now tested, he fails the test and he ends up a sinner. He ends up bound by sin. He ends up chained and, and burdened by sin. He is sold into sin. Now he's no longer free to serve God. Now he is bound by sin and Satan. But the Bible tells us that he was redeemed. The Bible talks about redemption now, being bought back, being purchased out of. Notice again, he says in chapter 1, verse 18, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed, with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. He says the fact is he's speaking to the church there now. And Peter says, listen, it, by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, he says, I want you to understand you were not redeemed. You were not bought back. You were not purchased out of sin. As he puts it here, with corruptible things as silver and gold. Not one of you could come up with enough money. Not one of you could purchase your way out of this sin. None of you, being sold into sin, could purchase yourself off the, the slave block. And he goes on to even say, listen, it wasn't your tradition that, was going to, that redeemed you. It wasn't your past or your religion or what you've been taught. No, it's about, it's about something else, much more important, something else eternal. And notice what that was. For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition of your fathers. But what were you redeemed with? But with the precious blood of Christ. Amen. The precious blood of Christ. That blood was shed on Calvary 2,000 years ago. That's what redeemed us. That's what purchased us out of sin. That's what bought us back out of the clutches and the, the binding of Satan. No, it wasn't what we do. It wasn't our efforts. It wasn't our good deeds. It's not our intellect or our abilities. No, it's simply Jesus and His precious blood. Amen. As of a lamb without blemish and without spot. We had a perfect Savior that hung on Calvary and shed a perfect blood. And that blood alone is what washes us free of our sin and makes us clean. 
The Bible teaches us that we become new creatures in Christ that moment. That literally that very moment we receive and accept Him, we are indwelt with the power of the Holy Ghost, the presence of Christ, I should say. We're to walk in newness of life. We have been redeemed, bought back, saved. Our sin is as far as the east is from the west. It's buried in the depths of the sea to be remembered no more. All because of the blood of Christ. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. So it says, how in the world do we get that blood applied to our life? We have to receive him. We have to believe that Christ died on the cross, as he said. That he was buried and that he rose again the third day. We have to believe that. Then we have to receive Christ. According to Revelation chapter 3, he stands at the door and knocks. If any man will open that door, he'll come into him and sup with him and be with him. I want you to know you have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, but then you have to receive him as well. And you say, how do I receive him? According to Romans chapter, uh, Romans chapter 10 verse 13, the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. It's simple. I know that Christ died for me. I realize that I'm a sinner. I need his blood to be applied to my account. I'm, re- I'm sold into sin. I need redeemed or bought back. Only that blood can do it. Lord, I believe in you. I trust you. I don't trust in what I can do. I don't trust in what I have learned about or seen in the past. I simply trust you and your work, your shed blood to forgive me, wash me, save me, and take me to heaven. Only you, Lord. Only you. Lord, save me. Forgive me. Come into my life. Be my Savior. I can't do it without you. I'm lost and headed to hell. Only you can save me. We believe and then we receive him. As many as received unto them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Amen. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. See... Matthew chapter 7. Look back there again, please. We have a people here who are standing before God. Oh, they've served the Lord. They've been separated unto Him. But obviously they missed something. They had something backwards. They got it mixed up. And they missed first base. Look if you went out, and, and, and look how it reads here very quickly again. It says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day. What day is he talking about? Well, take your Bible and look over the book of Revelation, chapter 20. Many will say to me in that day. Not a few not a handful, but many will say to me in that day. What day? What, where does this line up with Scripture? Where does this fit in the whole scheme of things? Well, Revelation chapter 20. Today, we live in what's called the church age. Dispensation of grace, it's often referred to. 
Salvation is simply grace through faith. That's it. We simply call on the Lord. We believe on Jesus Christ. We accept His finished work on Calvary and we're saved just like that. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us, it says. So here we are then. The dispensation of grace. There comes a point in the future here at some point. Many believe early. Some, honestly, I don't know when it will be. No one really knows for sure. But the Bible teaches that we're going to be taken out of here. Those that have named the name name of Christ. Those that are already His children. Those that have already believed on Him and received Him as Savior and Lord. The Bible tells us that we're going to be taken out. That's called often referred to as the rapture of the church. So we have this dispensation of grace where salvation is simply grace through faith. No works, simply Christ alone. And here we are being saved and His bride is being gathered. And then He says, the Bible says, the bride will be taken out. All the believers, all the believers across the, around the globe come out at the same time at what's called the rapture or the, this catching away. Once that happens, then we're with the Lord. But down on earth, there's what's called tribulation. That seven-year tribulation period that we read about, have heard about, you know, the mark of the beast, 666 and all of that. That's taking place down on earth. Down here, tribulation. Up there, there's what's called the judgment seat of Christ. Believers will be judged. Not, Not being condemned, but being commended for their work for the Lord. The goal for God is not to condemn anyone. Matter of fact... The Bible says that we're not going to go through this tribulation period. There's a number of reasons why, but one of them is because we're not appointed under wrath. This is a time of wrath. We're not going to be involved in wrath, but we are going to stand before God and give an account of what we have done with our life since becoming a child of God. What we've done with the blessings, what we've done with the Spirit of God in us, what we've done with the opportunities that we've had to serve Jesus Christ, to live for God. We will be judged. We'll stand before God, the Lord Jesus Christ, and give an account. Judgment seat of Christ. Down on earth, tribulation. So, dispensation of grace. Still presently involved in it. Still taking place. All of a sudden, rapture of the church. Out goes the church. The rest is left behind. Here they are in the tribulation period being judged by God. And also Satan himself wreaking havoc. In heaven, judgment seat of Christ. Believers being judged. Then, chapter 19 of Revelation. We see us descending, coming down with the Lord. He leads the charge. Out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. We have Armageddon now. The Lord establishes his visible, physical kingdom on earth now. We rule and reign with him according to Revelation 1.5. We're ruling with Christ. For 1,000 years he sits on the throne of David, ruling and reigning. We rule and reign with him. Satan is loose for a short time. He's placed where he belongs in the lake of fire. There's a new heaven and new earth being taken care of and dealt with. While we have that process taking place, it appears we have this judgment in chapter 20, verse 11. So, dispensation of grace, rapture of the church, seven-year tribulation on earth, judgment seat of Christ in heaven, Saints return with Christ, Armageddon, big battle, the smoke clears, millennial kingdom, 1,000 years, Christ ruling and reigning on the throne of David, 
another big battle that takes place when Satan's loosed out of the bottomless pit. Doesn't last long. The Lord speaks again. It's over. New heaven and new earth. And there's the great white throne judgment now. And that's where we find ourselves in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 through 15. And that's exactly what Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23 is referring to. Notice what's taking place. And I saw a great white throne, verse 11, and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. There was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. We have some books being opened. I believe one of those books will be this whole book right here that I'm holding my hand. It's going to be opened up there. Listen, this book, the Word of God, is complete, and it is, it is in heaven. And it's also on earth, complete. By the way, I don't hold a book in my hand with error. And it don't have error in it. If you're holding a book that you believe has error, you better find the one that doesn't. I can show it to you. It's called a King James Bible. But I believe that book will be in heaven. You say, well, it won't be in English. I don't know what language it'll be in, but it'll be the exact same book that I've been required to follow my whole life. Whether that or God's a, a good magician, He's going to say, guess what? I'm holding you to a different standard than I gave you to live. That'd be kind of a bad trick to play on somebody. But nonetheless, here we are now. We, we're in this passage, and the books are open. I believe not only the Bible will be open, but I believe those other books. And as a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that mankind's works are being recorded. Everything that you say, everything that we do, everything that we think is being recorded. Now, if you're being judged at the judgment seat of Christ, you're already in the family of God, you're good to go. You won't be standing before this judgment. But let me tell you what, you may have been serving God. You may have been separated unto God. You may be doing what you believe is the service of the Lord. But if you have missed first base, my friend, you're going to stand before God right there in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 through 15. And the Bible says that God's going to unfold the books and he's going to run through those books and he's going to see the standard. He's going to see your behavior. And then he's going to look at another book called the book of life, the Bible says. And I saw the dead, small and great, verse 12, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. There is a group of people in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. They had hit third base. They have been serving who they believe and what they believe to be God. They have been separated. They may have given their life to this work. They may have done everything they know how to please the Heavenly Father from their perspective. They may call Him God. They can call Him anything they want, but the fact is, is that they might be serving and they, they, they might be separated, but now they stand before God, a holy God, a righteous God, and they stand before Him. And the Bible tells us that they, that it says, not everyone that saith, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of the Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me, not a few, many will say to me in that day, more than will not say that. Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? Lord, didn't we serve you? 
Didn't we live for you? Now we stand before you. Oh, God, you're going to let us in, right? You're going to permit us into heaven. Our good has been weighed. We know that we've done more than we've done wrong, more right than wrong. God, we have done it for you. This has all been for you. I surrendered my life. I gave myself to you wholeheartedly. Didn't I, Lord? Didn't I? 